This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. You ever meet someone who seems kind of off? Whether it's a creepy neighbor or a random phone number that keeps calling you, Truthfinder has you covered. You can search for people by name, address, phone number, email, and more. Truthfinder can be especially helpful for running confidential background checks on anyone you're planning to meet from online dating apps. Go to truthfinder.com slash podcasts for a special offer. That's truthfinder.com slash podcasts to access your special offer today. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me, as always, is a man that knows that it is our imperfections that make us flawless. Here is the captain. Why do I always have to be the center of attention? Why can't I just be? Why can't I just live? It's good to be seen and good to see you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. This week, we are very happy to be featuring vanilla pumpkin beer by the hardworking folks over at the O'Fallon Brewery, located in Maryland Heights, Missouri. Vanilla pumpkin beer is available in the fall months only, and O'Fallon produces several pumpkin beers, and this is their most popular seasonal beer. Vanilla pumpkin beer, ABV 5.5%, garage grade three and a half bottle caps out of five and let's give some praise and cheers to our friends that helped us out with this week's beer fund first up a cheers to Catherine in albany georgia and a big we like your jib to kimberly in newton new jersey next captain we have a shout that goes out to our friend melissa in edinburgh and a big we like your jib to Lori in forest grove oregon and molly in carmel california how about a we like your jib to you and last but certainly not least we have a thanks that goes to peter and alexandria Virginia. Everyone we just mentioned went to truecrimegarage.com and they clicked on that little donate to the beer fund. And for that, we thank you. Yeah, B-W-E-R-U-N, beer run. For everything true crime, check out truecrimegarage.com. Check out our store page and also check out our merchandise on podswag.com. And that's enough of the business. All right, everybody gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer. Let's talk some true crime.
Windyville, Missouri. Population, 51 people. Windyville is an unincorporated community in Dallas County and is located about an hour or so drive northeast of Springfield, Missouri. The community was so named for the frequently windy conditions, but many people of Missouri refer to this town as Spookyville because Windyville is said to be haunted. There are many rundown businesses and multiple cemeteries that all have creepy things said about them. In the 1800s, there were multiple child deaths. If you go to the Peppers Cemetery located just less than a mile northeast of the town, conveniently off of Peppers Road, not only will you find the burial plot for the road and cemetery's namesake, Civil War surgeon James Pepper, but also listen closely while you're there as it has been reported that children's laughter can be heard coming from the cemetery. In Windyville, at the Lone Rock Cemetery, there is a phantom horseback rider guarding and watching over the hollowed ground. On the MM Highway, there is an old bridge that crosses a creek. If you stop your vehicle here, it has been told that you just might encounter a woman who walks this bridge at night seemingly looking for her child. Visitors say that Windyville, Missouri is a creepy little town that seems to have been lost in time. Ghost and Haunts in Missouri, a St. Louis organization, relates that Windyville is said to have some sort of haunting in every deserted building, including the Windyville store. Visitors have reported hearing terrifying screams coming from the old cannery building. From something called from the shadows, true tales of the paranormal. Wendyville is home to a woman with the head of a goat, a spectral hitchhiker, and be on the lookout for red eyes that stare at people passing by the dead black windows of abandoned buildings. Many say that there are eerie things that go on in Wendyville, and you might want to think twice about making a visit there. It's also home to spiritual cults, so watch out, proclaimed an October 2005 article in the USA Today newspaper. These are some of the legends of Windyville, Missouri, population 51. But here in the garage, we have much more to talk about than just some stories coming out of an old ghost town, because there are new legends coming out of this tiny town. Stories that are less traditional, popularly regarded as true, but unauthenticated. And these stories are far more terrifying than the ones told around campfires at night. This is True Crime Garage, and welcome to Spookyville. This week we take the flying garage ship to the small town of Windyville, Missouri. And as you just heard, you may want to think twice before going to Windyville. Or if you are traveling through the great state of Missouri, plan your route carefully. But if Windyville is a scary and dangerous place, well, Captain, I have reason to believe that Windyville just got very recently, well, it got a little less dangerous and maybe a little less scary as well, and that would be due to the arrest of two men. That being 58-year-old James David Phelps, a longtime resident of Southwest Missouri, and more recently Windyville, Missouri, and his friend and likely accomplice, if you will, and that is 56-year-old Timothy 
Leroy Norton, a long-haul trucker who seems to hold no known permanent address. Before we get too far along in this bizarre mystery coming out of Spookyville, I want to give a shout-out to KY3.com for doing gangbusters work and great reporting on this case in particular. And this story is really making its way across our greatest of nations, the good old U.S. and A, because of a missing young woman. And this is 33-year-old Cassidy Rainwater. Investigators say 33-year-old Cassidy Rainwater has ties to Dallas, Green, and Lockleed counties. All three are counties in Missouri. These are neighboring counties with Lockleed located just east of Dallas County. Wendyville, as said in today's trailer, is located in Dallas County, and some of the stories we're going to be talking about are coming out of Lebanon, Missouri, which is the county seat for Lockleed County. Now, this is all very new, very new stuff here. It's a missing person story that has rightfully got so many people really on edge wondering what else may stem from this missing person's case and what other crimes and possibly even other victims could be involved here. From KY3 News, the case has led to multiple arrests, court proceedings, and new developments in recent weeks. Two suspects, James Phelps and Timothy Norton, have been arrested and charged for the kidnapping of Cassidy Rainwater. Both appeared in Dallas County Court on Tuesday, October 5th. Now, one night earlier, the Dallas County Sheriff's Office says a home near Lebanon, Missouri, connected to James Phelps, was burned to the ground. The Missouri State Fire Marshal's Office is investigating after the fire caused a total loss to the home, while the Springfield Fire Department bomb squad responded after the discovery of a tripwire. Okay, so here we have two individuals suspected and being investigated in regards to this Cassidy Rainwater missing persons case. We have a brief timeline that I want to go through that will help to flesh out this story a little better for those not familiar with the case. But real quick, before we get to that timeline, I want to underline something before we move on from those last two paragraphs. The Dallas County Sheriff's Office is investigating this guy, James David Phelps, age 58, and his weird friend, Timothy Leroy Norton, age 56, and during the course of their investigation, searching for clues and physical forensics evidence for their Cassidy Rainwater investigation, an arson fire caused a total loss to a home. So the home is burned to the ground, certainly hindering, hopefully not completely destroying their investigation and evidence that they were hoping to find or collect. Now, these two yahoos are locked up, but from my understanding, Captain, the fire that burnt the house to the ground was just one of James Phelps' properties, which could be of importance, but we will circle back to that once we get through this brief timeline. But I think KY3 summed up this story the best in the following excerpt. The Dallas County Sheriff's Office is leading a months-long investigation into the disappearance of Cassidy Rainwater an investigation that has taken multiple turns since September. So let's go through what we know about Cassidy's disappearance and law enforcement's investigation. Now, supposedly Cassidy Rainwater disappeared or was last seen, I think is the words we should probably use because that's what we're being told, was last seen on July 25th. 
She wasn't reported missing to authorities until nearly a month later, and this is how this all went down. According to officials, on Saturday, July 25th, 2021, James Phelps told the police that this was the last date that he saw Cassidy. This was July 25th. He said that Cassidy left his residence in the middle of the night and never came back. Some reports say this was the last day anyone, family members or otherwise, reported seeing Cassidy Rainwater. Right. But it sounds to me, Captain, that this is the last day that James Phelps says that he saw Cassidy. Because per court records, James Phelps told police the last time he saw Cassidy was on that date. He told authorities that she left in the middle of the night and never came back. According to detectives, Cassidy Rainwater was staying with James Phelps while she was going to get back on her feet again. James Phelps told authorities on July 25th or late July, Cassidy went outside in the middle of the night. She walked to the end of his driveway where he says that he saw her meet a vehicle at the street. She gets inside and leaves and has not been seen nor heard from since then. According to James Phelps, when she moved in with him or came to stay with him for a short period of time, she was talking about moving to Colorado or to Denver, Colorado. And this is a somewhat believable story because Cassidy seems to have some ties to the state of Colorado and possibly even the city of Denver as well. It appears that she lived there for some period of time. I don't know how long. It looks like it was brief, maybe a year or two, and this would have been a few years ago. Now, this last July 25th date is important because according to additional court documents, KY3 learned that Timothy Norton, the accomplice, as I'm calling him, was called to go to James Phelps' home by Phelps just one day earlier. Now, James Phelps is so ugly that his hair is running away from his face, but all the pictures that are relating to this case will be on our Instagram at True Crime Garage or on our Facebook at True Crime Garage. According to the information, Timothy Norton was called over to help James Phelps in restraining Cassidy Rainwater. And the documents go on to state that he was forcibly holding her while a felony was being committed. And now they don't necessarily state what that felony was. Um, and we can speculate if you like, I think it would be a bit of spinning our tires to speculate what that felony was. According to these same court documents, Timothy Norton admitted to going over to Phelps place and admitted to helping restrain the young woman. Now, Timothy Norton looks like he smells Timothy. You stink. The, the odd thing to me, captain is they almost look like they could be related, maybe cousins or something. I, they, for, for some odd reason, I feel like there's some resemblance between the two there. Yeah. Scum and scummer. Then we are going to fast forward exactly one month. See, this story has these points of interest along the way on this timeline here, but also has these gaps of really no information at all. These eerie gaps in which we have nothing. Okay. So exactly one month later puts us at Wednesday, August 25th, 2021 on this day, a family member of Cassidy's contacted the Dallas County Sheriff's office. This person is reporting her missing saying we, her family, we have not heard or seen Cassidy in quite some time. 
So this is when officially the investigation started into looking for Cassidy Rainwater. Now we go to September 16th, 2021 on our timeline when further developments unfold following this active missing persons investigation. This is when someone at the FBI contacted Dallas County Sheriff's Department. The FBI is calling saying they have received an anonymous tip that Cassidy Rainwater was caged up on James Phelps' property. Sick. So from my understanding, Captain, this is investigators with the Federal Bureau of Investigation contacting detectives at Dallas County Sheriff's Office saying that somehow they have received photos from an anonymous person showing Cassidy Rainwater locked up in a cage. I'm wondering, are they contacting the FBI and saying, here's a picture or pictures of Cassidy Rainwater and she looks to be in trouble or, or there's this picture or multiple pictures of a woman in distress unnamed in some type of cage and these pictures and what is going on in these pictures does not appear to be staged in any kind of way. So this person contacts the FBI. We, we don't know that the tip information is a bit vague. And what we do know is it sounds that the tip came by way of FBI and it was a person that wanted to remain anonymous. Yeah. Not that I wanted to see the pictures, but I looked for them on Google and couldn't find them, but just imagine to be in law enforcement shoes and to receive pictures of a woman in the nude in a cage. The reports generally state that she was could be seen in a state of partially nude inside of a cage. The tricky thing here is there must have been something to elevate this immediately into their investigation, right? Somehow they connect these pictures to Cassidy Rainwater or her being the likely person seen in the photos. It could just be by them knowing who she is and being able to identify her themselves or looking at those pictures and then looking at pictures that they've re- maybe have received or maybe some social media accounts and they were able to compare and contrast the pictures with those. Maybe some kind of facial recognition software used to determine that it might be her. I'm just questioning this, not because I, I question that it happened, I question how did the FBI so quickly get this to Dallas County Sheriff's Department, right? The FBI is a federal organization who's actively working the entire country of the United States. Cassidy Rainwater is missing in Dallas County, Missouri, a very specific location. So I don't know. I'm trying to connect some dots here. And again, we just don't have enough information to really connect them. Well, what I assume is that here's a person that if you believe that this situation is not staged, she's in immediate danger. She's an immediate threat for her life. That's why I think law enforcement would be able to get all hands on deck to try to figure out where she's located at. And we've seen this before, Captain, and talked about this on our show before, where we've reviewed some photos ourselves that are in some cases and even high-profile cases. Really, us, the public, we look at them and wonder, is this real or not? Is this something that's staged? We talked about the strange photo that was found down in Florida in the parking lot where it showed some kids that looked to be tied up. Right. Still, we sit here decades later and no one's identified or said that, hey, we know who those kids are and they are this person or that person. Well, it seems like we've covered a lot of cases in the last five years where 
there's pictures of individuals that nobody comes forward and, and claims to be a family member or a friend. The wording on this next part is interesting to me. This is from one of the better news reports out there that says, quote, investigators say a detective, a detective recognized rainwater in a partially nude state from a photo and officials later discovered seven photos of Cassidy rainwater after searching James Phelps's phone. So Dallas County Sheriff's Office, they go out to follow up on this tip And that is when they find seven photos on James Phelps' phone that will eventually lead to his arrest in this case. I mean, what an animal, though, for him to put this woman into a cage and then take pictures of her. And she's obviously, it seems like she's aware that the pictures are being taken of her. After his arrest, Captain, he was taken to the Dallas County Jail, where he still remains to this day. Now, of course, this is important, but we, what we have here is a missing person. A tip sends police to speak with this James Phelps. He says, yep, I know her. She was staying with me and left in the middle of the night about three weeks ago. So he's not denying that he knows her. He's not even denying that she was at his residence. The detective searches phone. I don't know if he agreed to let them view his phone or if they had a search warrant for it. I would think with how hot this case is, or at least was for a few weeks in the news that often the warrants are easily found by reporters. And the wording in those reports is always of interest because most of the time, the detectives have to be fairly specific about what they are searching for, why they are searching for it and why they have reason to believe that they will find these items in this person's possession and the significance of these items in relationship to the crimes committed or the crimes that they are investigating. Seems to me the way it's reported is we have this picture and then once we, they get a search warrant to search his phone, then we find another seven pictures on the phone. So it seems like those pictures are separate from the initial photo that they found. Possibly. And we could dive into that and I'd like to, I just want to make sure I'm understanding your question before we move on too far. My suspicion is that it's not like a physical picture that they were handed. Right. Somebody contacted the FBI and said, Hey, I've seen this photo or these photos online and here are my concerns. Yeah. That makes more sense to me than one of them being printed out and the other seven not being printed out. One thing that I found interesting was I couldn't find really any exact quote or any definitive statement saying that they obtained these photos from his phone or were viewing his phone because they had a warrant to do so. They may have, they may just been able to keep it under wraps, but I couldn't find anything definitively saying that they had applied for or asked for certain warrants in this case. And I'm guessing that they have here, captain, but what I'm really questioning is What came first, you know, the chicken or the egg here? Was it the warrants and then we have the arrest of these two individuals or did we have the arrest, which then led to warrants for us to search properties and phones and computers and things of that nature? Yeah, that's a good question. But I I think, like you said, it'd be a lot easier to attain if they're able to show a judge here is an individual that is missing. James Phelps is the last person known to see her. She was at his 
residency. These pictures, we believe, are of his residency. A judge is going to sign off to search all his properties and his person and his phone and whatever you want once you have that evidence. Agreed, especially if you go out there and talk to him the first time. And let's say you see or witness nothing incriminating at this first encounter, the first time you talk with him. But just him saying, yes, she was here and admitting that he knows her might be enough to get you certain warrants like you pointed out. And I'm just kind of circling around all of that like a vulture because I'm scratching my head a bit with this. We found similar pictures of Cassidy on this man's phone. Better than scratching your balls. If I'm one, you know, if one of my sick, twisted hobbies is caging women, I'm not going to just offer up my phone for old Johnny Law to review, right? So if there was a warrant for the phone or computer or the property when the detectives came a-knocking on September 16th, that fascinates me. What led to the warrant? Was there something in one of those online pictures that might indicate, like you were pointing out, that she's being held on this man's property, right? Something specific or some way of identifying whose property or whose home it may be. Well, it could be as simple as they are able to match something with inside the first picture to something of his residency. Or you go to his residency and there's a freaking cage. You're there to ask James Phelps some pretty standard and friendly questions and then you as the detective can see something in plain sight, a cage, as you said, or something from one of the photos that tells them, hey, this is the location where these photos were taken. And or maybe they were able to pull some, they could have been able to pull some kind of data from these online photos as well. That's right. Uh, Some metadata could tell them what the location possibly was at the time the pictures were taken. But however it goes down, James Phelps is arrested. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me, but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL Learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners, 
Get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com slash garage. Visit IXL.com slash garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com slash garage today. The best part of spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless. When Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. Save a lot of money with Mint Mobile. Get their great mobile wireless service delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. That's premium service at a great price. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash TCG. That's mintmobile.com slash TCG. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash TCG. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factor's no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious. From breakfast to dessert, stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem, and it's called lunch. Some days I need a pack of lunch, and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code truecrimegarage50 at factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. All right, we're back. Cheers, everybody. Thanks for joining us here on The Garage. Cheers to you, Colonel. 
Cheers to you, Captain. He's back. I'm back. We're all back. Hmm. All right, continuing along our little timeline here, Captain, we're going to go out just a couple of days later. This will put us at September 19th, 2021. This is when police interviewed the accomplice. The, uh, what were you calling them, scumbag? Scum and scummer. Oh, scum and scummer. Like okay, dumb so, and dumber. So I don't know who's scummier, the one or the other, but mm. this is uh, scum member number two, Timothy Norton. The accomplice, as I'm calling him, Norton said he lived in his vehicle because he was an over-the-road trucker. I don't know what else they would be over um, in these trucks. Under the road. Yeah. Over-the-water trucker. Mm. The address listed for him in online court systems and court documents show the same address as James Phelps on Moon Valley Road. Police say they found some inaccuracies in his story, in Timothy Norton's story. Now, I have this address in my notes is 386 Moon Valley Road, Windyville, Missouri. Many of the articles will say the Moon Valley Road property is near Buffalo, Missouri, or the Moon Valley property is between Lebanon and Buffalo, Missouri. That's simply just because this Windyville is so small. You know, what did we say? Population 51 people in the trailer. So they're going to reference the next biggest towns or cities. But what's interesting here is that we have this individual, Timothy Norton, who is a drives a truck over the road. And he's saying that he has no actual address and that he just you know, when he's out on the road, these truckers they sleep in their truck. Yeah. For the most part. And he's saying, look, even when I'm home, I either sleep in a vehicle or his his truck and keeps it on the property. The thing that's a little little convoluted here though is that we know according to timothy norton's statements and what the sheriff's department believes is that on the 24th there was a call that was made for him to help restrain it i'm guessing could this be as simple as dude is out sleeping in his truck and something happens inside that cabin that james phelps lives in and calls him cell phone to cell phone and says hey i need you to come in here and help me restrain this woman sickos on september 20th the police brought back timothy norton to interview him again so at least two interviews with this timothy norton character that we are aware of that is when he admitted to restraining casting rainwater back in july well and we see this happen with so many cases i i just don't understand how this works and maybe it's because i've never been put into that situation but it's like yeah, we're joking and calling him a scumbag, but you're a scumbag because you helped him. But again, I've never been in that situation. If if I saw a partially nude girl and he was trying to restrain her to put her back in the cage, I'm beating the living shit out of him and calling the cops and and making sure that she is safe. But we see time and time again where these people say, oh, well, I didn't kill the individual, but... I helped bury the body because I didn't know what else to do or I helped burn the body or you know what I mean? Like there's so many oh, yeah. cases we've seen that it. we've seen and it's just like, you know, note to self. If you, if you go along with any of this stuff, you are just as guilty. You are just as much of an animal and a monster as the individual that you were helping. 
Well, and you're right, Captain. We've seen this dozens of times. And it, to me, I always believe or have to believe that it means that said person is guilty of something else. We're just not aware of it. I mean, that's the only reasonable explanation I can come up with in my mind as to why somebody would admit to helping move a body or help bury a body. I think that a lot of times that means that they had prior knowledge of what was happening, what was going on. And at some point they were in so deep that they decided to help physically and later admitted to it, but don't ever really want to admit that, Hey, I kind of knew this was all going on all along. Well, and again, now circumstances change. If you tell me that James had a, a pistol on him and said, Hey, come in. I need your help. And you come in and there's this bad situation and he's holding a gun or something. He's like, you need to help me. That's different because now you're in threat for danger of your life. But even once you help restrain that person, it is your human duty to go get law enforcement, get help, make sure that this girl gets to safety. But but you see what I'm saying? Like if, if, if somebody came to me in the middle of the night, one of my best friends came to me and said, hey, look, man, I got an issue. Come down to this park with me. And I got down to the park and there's a dead body. And they said, hey, help me bury the body. And I know there's all these jokes out there. A true best friend will help you bury the body. No, 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 no. You're not the true best friend. You're a scumbag. Yeah, my best friend says, hey, help me bury this body. Not going along with it. Now, if that individual has a gun and he's holding that gun and he's going, hey, you're going to help me bury this body different circumstance. Well, and if these reports are completely factual that we've been able to review that are coming out in regards to the story, it states that Norton says to authorities that he is aware or knows that Cassidy is being held at that property. And the wording on that makes it sound to me like he is aware or knows that she's being kept in a cage at Phelps's property. So kind of circling around this before we move on again, that is the phone call from July 24th. The, you know, not calling, asking to help bury a body, but the phone call that says Phelps is requesting Norton to help him restrain Cassidy. And I just hope, you know, I don't know whether this was an actual phone call or an actual text or, or what have you, but I just hope and pray that restrain is not code for something much worse. Now, the next day on September 21st, Timothy Norton was arrested. He is being held at the Dallas County Jail with no bond. On September 23rd, police depart from a scene on Moon Valley Drive. It says Moon Valley Drive in this report. I'm, I'm guessing they mean Moon Valley Road. The Dallas County Sheriff's Office continues to investigate the case. By this point in our timeline, more than two months have passed since the disappearance of Cassidy Rainwater, and the community members around the Ozarks are searching for answers on her condition and what just may have happened to her. On September 21st, one of the news outlets spoke with a woman who said that she knows Cassidy Rainwater and knows of the suspects. She spoke with KY3 on the condition of anonymity. She said she can't wrap her head around all of this. Quote, I've been incredibly unsettled since the whole menagerie started, she said. 
I'm continuing to pray for her family. I can't fathom what her family is experiencing. And I'm heartedly sorry that that happened so close to my home. The woman recalls Cassie Rainwater as being friendly, saying she would stop by and she would talk to us when we were outside working, saying, I don't think Cassidy would have ever run off without keeping contact with her family, she said. Unfortunately, Captain, I don't think that any people think that Cassidy ran off in this case, you know, with the photos and with the arrests that followed. And it saddens me to say this, but first guess to me says authorities are probably searching for remains at this point. I agree with you. And like I said, think about placing yourself in law enforcement. I, I know a lot of true crime enthusiasts are like, man, being a law enforcement officer at times would be some enjoyable aspects to it or trying to solve a crime, but to see photographs like this and then have to go to the family and say, look, we, we believe this is Cassidy. Can you identify her and these pictures? And there's no way of sugarcoating what you're going to show them. That's correct. On September 23rd, 2021, deputies returned once again to search around some properties in rural Dallas County, including the home on moon Valley for evidence in the investigation. After several hours, deputies departed from the scene. Now, on Friday, October 1st, 2021, investigators confirmed they were waiting for DNA evidence to return in the disappearance of Cassidy Rainwater. Dallas County Sheriff Scott Rice says it could be at least 30 days before any results are returned. Okay, so around this same time, we have a lot of local rumors that start making their way out of this rural part of Missouri out to the rest of us in the surrounding parts unknown. Well, I'm assuming because, the, like you said, they're probably looking for her remains. But if they found a cage or an area that they thought a cage was put that can test the carpet or the floor or the cage itself for touch DNA plus multiple items probably on the property. Yeah, touch DNA. Here's my guess here, Captain, because this is where I think if the rumor mill hadn't already been started up and firing on all cylinders, I think this statement from the sheriff saying, hey, we're waiting on the return of some DNA evidence and it could take 30 days or so before we get any results back, that's going to get the rumor mill fired up and rocking and rolling, right? So, because there's a lot of speculation as to what that could mean. Does that mean that they found remains that they think could be Cassie Rainwaters? They're not saying that. They're not saying that they found any remains at all. They're not saying that they have reason to believe that Cassie Rainwater is deceased. You know, here we sit months later and it's really just kind of left out in the open. It's left open-ended where we know it's a missing persons investigation. They were investigating the disappearance of Cassidy Rainwater at one point. And then at some point that investigation shifts to the angle of we're investigating these photos that the FBI became aware of these scary photos. And it's really just left here all this time later as well. It's still a missing persons case. We've arrested these people. We've searched this property over and over and over again. And it's still as it was in the very beginning 
a missing persons case, and we don't know where Cassie Rainwater is. Well, and sadly, at this point, we don't have an announcement that they found Cassidy. Right, and that's where I think that you're probably on to something here, Captain, with your thoughts of, well, they're probably waiting on results from something they found at the crime scene that necessarily doesn't have to be actual remains, right? It could be, as you said, touch DNA. Maybe they found some hair that they believe could be hers. What you're going to do here as a detective, your number one objective obviously is let's find Cassidy Rainwater and hope and pray that she's okay and she's alive and well. And this is somehow some kind of misunderstanding, but there were crimes committed. And we have some factual things that we do know and that detectives would know at this point in their investigation. And that is one they have reason to believe that this woman was being held against her will, that being the photos. And two, now we have this dork who says, yeah, I know who she is and she was staying with me. Now we have dork's friend who says, yeah, I helped. I knew she was being held on the property and I helped restrain her on one occasion. And now you're going, okay, well, that is almost an admission of guilt as far as the kidnapping charges go. But you want to do your due diligence and put in the extra effort. So now before you go before the court, you want to say, not only do we have all this that proves that this man or these men were responsible for kidnapping this young woman, because technically the definition of kidnapping is holding you even. It doesn't mean throwing somebody in a vehicle and driving off with them. If you put a a person in a place that they do not want to be. If you force them into a place or hold them somewhere that they do not want to be, you've kidnapped that person. And kidnapping, newsflash, is a pretty big crime. It's a pretty big deal. So what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to show the courts, not only do we have these photos, but when we searched this man's property, we found hair in the the bathroom sink or on this brush where we found items of her clothing, items that we know belong to her, you want to prove 100% beyond just their words that she was actually physically there at some point. But he's not denying that. Right. So, he, I mean, at first he's saying, oh, yeah, well, she stayed with me. She was getting back on her feet. I think the pictures of her being in a cage is what is your slam dunk as far as getting a guilty verdict on kidnapping. Correct. Again, as but a you're, you're defense to, attorney, I could I could go, look, she was trying to get back on her feet, and I have some weird fetishes, and I paid her a little bit of money to get into the cage. But I think the slam dunk is when you have the other individual, Scummer, Scum 1 and Scummer, say that he helped restrain her. Therefore... It being a kidnapping. Correct. But that's why they call it building a case against someone. You're right. not going to just stop there and go, well, this is good. Looks good enough to me. No, you have access to what you believe is a crime scene. You're going to collect physical evidence. And again, you want physical evidence that prov- that proves scientifically. Throw their words out. Throw the pictures out. That proves scientifically that there is reason to believe beyond a reasonable doubt that this woman physically was at this cabin at some point. And you're going to build this case against these individuals. Again, kidnapping is a big deal. If you cannot find or locate her remains, right. you're hoping to turn the screws on these guys at some point and get them to tell you information that you want 
that they may not be willing to to give up at this point. But also think about it from law enforcement's perspective. James Phelps is 58. Timothy Norton is 56. If they're restraining and kidnapping somebody and putting a 33-year-old female into a cage, nude, partially nude, nude, whatever. This is probably not their first rodeo. They're probably responsible for other heinous crimes. I absolutely agree with you here, Captain. I would think that if this stuff is going on and, one, you're doing this type of nastiness to begin with, but, two, you've Mm -hmm. managed to get an accomplice to help you, it seems like they're kind of proficient, I guess would be my thought, in these types of acts or... I mean, something has led to this. Now, what's interesting, though, was I was really curious and I was expecting to find maybe some red flags in either of these individuals' backgrounds, but there wasn't really anything major. So what little I was able to find about each one of them is we have some very minor misdemeanor charges Mm -hmm. against both of them throughout their history, some of them dating back as early as 1992, it looks like. Right. But this is really minor stuff. So with one individual, with James David Phelps, what I could find on him was that he had charges of passing bad checks at multiple times throughout his life. And every time he pled guilty, to the charges. And these again are very small charges, misdemeanors where you just pay a fine and court cost. Right. He has traffic violations like most of us do. As far as the other guy, Timothy Leroy Norton goes, he has again, some traffic, minor traffic violations. One of them, and I have this in my notes, but it's unclear to me which individual it is. One of them has like game warden type charges right where you're like hunting illegally or masturbating in the woods or catching fish that you're required to release but not releasing them well i wish it was a little more clear on james phelps properties because we can only see pictures of the one where there there was a fire the fire that took place but it just seems like unkept land it seems at least on this property that there was actual buildings you know what was he using these properties for well and i'm glad that you referenced that because i forgot to circle back around to that one thing that i find to be very troubling with both of these individuals is you know we said that this is james phelps property from my understanding he's actually renting this property the property where the cabin burnt down and where they believe cassidy rainwater was being kept I'm a little unclear on how long he's occupied this space. It sounds to me like it's been years. And then Scummer 2, living in his truck or whatever we're supposed to believe, even if it's on the property or off of the property, what we're being told is he's sleeping in his vehicle on this property where, again, Cassie Rainwater is believed to have been held. Both of them have other addresses. You know, even though we said that Norton doesn't seem to have any permanent address that's listed. He has other addresses that that can be found right. relatively easily. And same with Phelps. 
Now, their married situation, their married status is a little unclear as well. Now, I do know that. You mean, are they married to each other? Right. Um, because <laughs> scum, scum and scummer. No, what I mean by that is whether either of them are, are currently married. I do know that Timothy Norton was married twice so far that I could find. It's um, always the case. 1988. And then again in 1994, I couldn't find any, as far as, uh, you know, marital status on James David Phelps, but I do know he was a class of 1981 at uh, crane high school home of the pirates um so yeah he he actually won an award most likely to be a a douchebag also james phelps I, i don't mean to correct your expertise but he missed something on his criminal charges he was he's been charged multiple times with having a scullet that's where you have you're bald with a mullet i look if you're bald on top don't have a ponytail but yeah, you're right, Captain. Something that you wouldn't expect to find here is that these guys don't have any major red flags on their criminal history that we could find. Now, one thing that's weird in this case is that reporters were able to dig up that that property, okay, again, the property that Phelps was staying at, and again, we've said that we've seen reports that say he was renting that property. I've seen reports that references a guy that built the cabin. I cannot find who owns this property. Right. And maybe they're doing that to just protect the individual. The use of multiple properties is weird to me. Only because we know this this guy has photos. We've seen photos on his phone, according to police, that he's caging women on his property. Yeah. And some reporters were able to dig up some information at least this is what their reports state, is that two convicted sex offenders are tied to that address, are tied to that property somehow. The interesting thing here is, as we stated, what we could find, it looks like Phelps is fairly clean and so is Norton. Neither of these guys are registered sex offenders in the state of Missouri. Yeah, but there's a little thing called human trafficking. And maybe these guys got mixed up with some other bad dudes. But this whole town seems a mess. It seems like there's all these, like you said before, rumors that it's haunted. Rumors of all these bad things happening in the past. Seems like this place is almost cursed. And on top of that, because of Cassidy going missing, there's rumors flying all over this small town well i'm not going to accuse windyville of being a mess i'm not going to allow one bad apple to spoil the whole dang bunch i don't know much about we have two bad apples this town at all to speak ill of the other 49 occupants of the town the haunting stuff is interesting to me and some of it sounds quite terrifying but you know every one of these little towns, especially when you get out in the sticks, they all have these stories that they've passed down for years and for decades. It's what the older kids use to scare the little kids. And then the little kids grow up and then they scare the little kids at some point with, Oh, don't go into those woods. Don't go to that graveyard. Don't go on that bridge at night. Don't go masturbating in the woods. But like you were saying, captain, this case has sparked up a lot of rumors. And again, some of it may come from the sheriff's own words of, Hey, we're waiting from, we're waiting to hear back on these DNA test results. And look, I do not fault him for stating that he's simply updating you on their case. We're waiting on results. 
Now, maybe some people's minds ran wild. Their imaginations ran wild with what could that mean? Well, some of the rumors include the finding of meat hooks on the property where Phelps was staying by law enforcement officials, acts of cannibalism, additional victims, possibly the remains of up to 12 or 13 people found on the property, additional suspects, caged victims, and transporting kidnapped victims or remains across state lines, and that these two may even be responsible for the missing Springfield 3. Thank everybody so much for joining us here in the garage. Make sure you join us tomorrow for part two of Spookyville. And until then, be good, be kind, and don't litter. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun, and that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com.